What a great crowd we have here this morning. It's great to be back with you. I tell you, every time I'm away, I just, I miss my faith family. I miss worshiping with you, and the worship this morning was just incredible. Amen? Amen. I tell you, I, I, I really miss it. I had an opportunity last week to, to be down uh, in some places where uh, Hurricane Michael had just devastated uh, communities and homes and people's lives, and uh, last week I was down in southwest Georgia Went into the tip of Alabama there, the sort of the southernmost tip of Alabama, and then also down uh, in the Panama City Beach area. And just seeing the devastation is just really something you can't even describe. I mean, just home after home after home, just completely destroyed. Somebody asked me, he said, how bad was it? And I said, well, if you can imagine driving through Valdosta, Georgia, and every house that you see and every business that you see covered up with trees and, and lost their roofs and people in their yard crying and picking up just a few belongings, that's what I saw. And so it was just, it was just really, truly one of the most devastating things I had, I had witnessed myself. And, um, and, and I'm just so thankful for a church that brought in so many donations. Uh, I know that this week we have sent out uh, not just the team that I was on, but five other teams have gone out. And in fact, in the first service, I had one team that is currently down in in, uh, in Panama City uh, that had texted me during the service. I guess they just didn't think I was worshiping over here, but, but they texted me and said, and said, Pastor David, the destruction is just overwhelming, and what we need more than anything are people to come and help. Uh, there's a lot of supplies heading down. There's a lot of uh, things that are happening, but until you see a place that has been devastated by a hurricane like like what we witnessed. It's just really hard to imagine. If you could imagine our, our entire town just being devastated, that's what you would see. And I, I'm just so thankful, and I know many of you are as well. I, I know as we were tracking the hurricane, the hurricane was, was projected, uh, or projected to come right over Valdosta, Georgia. And so a lot of the places that we visited in southwest Georgia could have been us. And so praise God but at the same time, when it, when it shifted, it, it, it may have taken the damage away from us, but it put it on someone else. And so what a time of need uh, that a lot of people have these days. And I just pray that as a church, we would continue to just have a heart for those who have lost so much and continue to take the gospel uh, wherever we go in, in helping. Uh, also, I just want to say what a wonderful opportunity it is that we have to also participate this year with Operation Christmas Child. Um, as you watched the video here just a few moments ago, maybe you heard some of the same things I was hearing. But one of the things that really just struck my heart as I was listening to that video, and, and I hear it every time I see that same video, was, was one of the people saying that, that for some of these children, this is the first gift that they would ever receive or have ever received. And so I think about that, and I think about the children who live in such impoverished nations and they're a part of, uh, of a very impoverished family and just don't have the blessings that we have in this world, in this country. Um, and, I, and I think about that and I think about the, the reality that though every one of those children will open a box and there'll be a, a stuffed animal or a baby doll or a small toy that's in there along with some other small gifts that they may receive, the greatest gift that they will receive is the reality that they'll receive the hope of Christ Jesus and, and that the hope that he brings into their life. And so I believe, and I, and I just have to know, that God is already at work at drawing 
children unto himself so that the box that you prepare, that I prepare, will go out into a world and there will be a small child who's waiting for that box who doesn't even know it's coming yet, but I truly believe that God's going before us and he is going to uh, just impact lives like nobody can imagine. And so what amazing opportunity. If you haven't gotten your box yet, there's boxes out in the lobby. Please pick them up. If you've got it already packed up, Start bringing them in. We're going to continue to just bring them in and, and fill this place up. But, uh, but I tell you, what an amazing opportunity just to be a part of such a, a global ministry. And so I'm just thankful for what God's doing in the life of our church. It's good to see you here this morning. It's just wonderful to be able to come and worship with you. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to continue to do in our hearts and our minds uh, today as we dive into his word. And so this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians. Uh, we're going to continue in our study and uh, our series that we call New Life. But today we're kicking off chapter three. And it's kind of funny that I would use the, the term kicking off because I would typically use that at the first sermon of a series. But, but what we see Paul do today in chapter three is something that's a little bit different than what we see uh, in his other letters where he writes and he kind of has this huge introduction, and then he just moves into what it is he's wanting to teach. In chapter 3, it's almost as though Paul has kind of paused, and he stops, and it's almost like he just sort of rethinks some things, and then he introduces himself again. And we're going to see that in verse 1, where the apostle Paul just sort of refocuses on something that I believe is hugely important for us, and we're going to see that Paul is going to introduce us to something that he calls a mystery, and you know, I look at this and I think it's really incredible that the Apostle Paul would use this word a mystery. In fact, all through Scripture we see a mystery sort of being presented and we're going to be diving into this and looking into this a little more here this morning. But the Apostle Paul, he uses this word mystery and he's talking about this amazing mystery of what we call the church through Christ Jesus. And so Paul is going to be trying to bring light to something that may not be very clear to the readers that he is writing to. Now, you have to remember that the Apostle Paul, he's writing to a group of believers who are living in a, a city called Ephesus. And they are believers. They are followers of Christ Jesus. He's writing to them to encourage them, to teach them. He's teaching them theological things. He's teaching them doctrinal things. But he is writing to a group of believers. And as he's writing these truths, he's presenting all sorts of things to them many of which these things are already in their mind, just from the culture in which they were brought up, the things that they already know concerning God, things that you and I maybe were not exposed to. But here, the Apostle Paul is speaking to them on this issue of the mystery of Christ. And so we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be sort of diving into this. And it's really amazing because I think so often... Uh, you know, we, we look at God's plan, we look at what God is doing all around us, we look at what God's doing in our life, and sometimes only what we can see is the things that's in the moment, you know? I mean, just what's going on around us. We can't see oftentimes a bigger picture that God has in store for the church, for ourselves, for, for whoever, but God is always at work beyond who we are and what we find ourselves involved in. And so what Paul's going to do is try to bring a little bit of clarity to the church to help them understand that they are a part of something much greater than themselves, much bigger than themselves, 
And as he does this, he really just encourages me as I read through this to just think about that. And I think he, in some ways, just wants to bring this clarity. My daughter came up to me yesterday. She's in town this weekend, and, and she walks up to me, and she says something that I know she thought would just get a reaction. And, I, and because I knew she was probably wanting a reaction, I didn't give her one, right? You know, that's just kind of how you work, you know. And so she comes up, and she goes, Daddy, I bought a Christmas tree today. And it doesn't surprise me at all because Marley, just like Linnell, I mean, around July, they start listening to Christmas music, okay, which is very nauseating to me, okay? It's like we just got finished with it. You know, they stop in, in, in June, and they start back in July, you know? I'm like, what is with you two on this Christmas music? But they, they, they love Christmas. They love the Christmas spirit and the, just the, everything about Christmas. So she runs up, and she says, I bought a Christmas tree. I said, oh, really? You know, okay, cool. You know what? And then she asked for some money to pay for it, you know. But, um, but anyway, she, that's where she got the reaction, right? So she tells me that she's bought this Christmas tree, and, and, I, and, I, and I talked to her about it. I said, well, that's good. Y'all can strap it on top of your car and take it back to, to Atlanta. And so she walks away, not getting the reaction she was, I think, hoping for. But I got to thinking about uh, Christmas, and I got to thinking, you know, that's just around the corner. It's going to be here before we know it. And then I also started thinking about, boy, my daughter has grown up. She's, I mean, she's now a, a, a mother. She's got a, a grandson. She's, you know, got, no, she doesn't have a grandson. She's got a son who, who's in, in turn my grandson. And so it's just, a, it's just a beautiful thing. But I started thinking about her when she was a kid and how, how Christmas was just sort of a, a beautiful thing for us around the house, you know, and everything. I mean, it's always special for children, right? And so as I started thinking about that, I suddenly realized it really wasn't that great for me, you know? And, and, and here's why. I want to tell you why. I know some of you got these weird looks on your face already. Like, oh, David, I thought, I mean, it's about Christ. Yeah, that part I love. But, but here's what Christmas was always for me. So on, on Christmas Eve, the kids would go to bed, and as they go to bed, Linnell would bring out about five big boxes and says, you need to put this stuff together, right? And I look at it, and I think, well, how hard could it be? There's probably three or four pieces per box until you open that big box, and there's not four pieces. There's not even six pieces. There's 583 pieces, and it says, assembly required every single part by daddy, right? And I look at this as I lay it all on the floor, and every, I mean, there's parts everywhere. There's bags of screws that are all different sizes. And as I look at this, I, I immediately go to the instructions. You know, contrary to what most of you ladies think, we do glance at the instructions, okay? And so I pick up the instructions, and I, and I realize it's not just two or three pages of instructions. It's 55 pages of instructions, none of which of those pages has a picture. And so I'm like, I'm in trouble. I've got to read a novel before I can make any sense of this. I don't get it. I mean, I look at it. I don't even know what it is. I mean, it's, it's in so many pieces, I can't imagine how this is going to come together. And I begin to look at my watch, and I begin to realize that dawn will be here before this project is going to be done, right? But yet somehow, in the panic of it all and in the, the stress of it all, uh, you know, you start working on it, and it begins to come together, and you're like, oh, that's what that is. And, and you put it all together, and, and then about 5 a.m., you finally get in bed, right? And your marriage has been saved for another Christmas, so it's not over yet, you know, even though you're you not real happy about everything that's going on. But the point is, is that 
Something that may have looked as though you had no idea what it could all be about suddenly comes together and it's just sort of this beautiful thing. And I believe that the Apostle Paul, as he is writing to the church, I believe that the Apostle Paul is, is saying, you know this is a Christmas present, right? You know that that's what it is, but, but, but you don't see the whole picture yet. But as you start sort of working through this, as you start putting this all together, it's gonna become more and more clear. And this is one of those passages of Scripture where the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians, as he's writing to this local church, he, he's taught them so much in chapter 1 and 2 about doctrine. He's, he's focused on stuff like our identity in Christ and how important that is. He's talked about us belonging to one another and being a part of this faith family, this amazing uh, movement of God. He's talked about the, the plans that God has and then he comes to this place in chapter 3. And the reason I think that the Apostle Paul just sort of stops and begins to share with us, almost sort of reintroducing himself and, and relaunching this letter, is because he realizes that he's about to touch on something that is mysterious. Something that is just a little bit different than what you really think about how things are. And so he's going to try to bring to light these things. And this is what I want us to see today you know, I, I believe that a lot of us live our life every day and we just wonder, you know, how is this thing going to come together? You know, we, we look into the future and obviously we can't see too far out there. But even as it concerns our life, many times we are just approaching life with such cloudiness and, and such un misunderstanding about how things truly are. And the thing is, the truth is that we often think we have it all figured out, don't we? Well, I've got this plan for my life, and I've got this plan for my life, and I've got this plan for my life, until one day we realize that God had other plans for our life, and our life doesn't look anything like when we were 23, and we thought it would all be like that. I can tell you this, if you go back to my life when I was in my 20s and 30s, I would have never said I would be standing before you today doing what I do. I just didn't see it coming. God knew it was coming. God knew he had a calling for my life that I didn't yet know. But I believe there are things about not only our life, but our involvement in the church, and not only our involvement in the church, but just being the church that, that Christ is revealing every day, and he's helping us understand more and more about his plan and his purpose for our life. That's why I love this passage. It, it, the, the, the issue that he's going to touch on is an important issue, but it's just one of these things where you just look at it and you just remember, man, God is so awesome, and God is so cool, and God is so at work, and, and, and he still, you know, though he may catch us off guard, surprise us from time to time, he's never caught off guard, right? He's sovereign. He knows what's happening. He knows what's happening in the world, and so here we see God's word that teaches us these these sorts of truths. And so this morning, the message is titled, A Mystery Revealed. Okay, so we're gonna have this unveiling of this mystery of God or this mystery of Christ that Paul's talking about. We're looking at Ephesians chapter three, verses one through six. And I wanna invite you to stand with me, if you will, this morning. We're gonna stand at the reading of God's word. I think it's the least we can do as we, as we go to God's word and we proclaim that this is the, the word of God that he has for us today. And so uh, just in honor and worship of God, we'll stand together uh, as a faith family, read this together, and then we'll pray. So read this with me, if you will. So Paul writes these words. He says, for this reason, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner 
of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today as we come together. Father, as the, as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, God, we come together as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, recognizing, Father, that, God, you know so much more about our life than we could ever imagine. And you know so much more about the church and what your plans are for us, not only as individuals, but collectively together as a body. Even uniting us with other churches in projects like Operation Christmas Child and going before us, reaching millions of people, millions of children for the sake of the gospel for Christ Jesus. And Lord, we just, we, we just are blessed to be a part of that. We're blessed to just know that God, you have brought us together. There are so many different people in this room. God, there are many races, there's different races, there's, there's different cultures, there's different backgrounds, but you have brought us together, Lord, for a purpose that is greater than ourselves. And that's just so encouraging to me. And Lord, I just thank you for that, for that truth. And so Father, as we dive into your word this morning, I pray that you would open up our hearts. I pray that you would stir our souls, God, that as we gather together through the reading and the preaching of your word, that you would impact our lives in, a, in a, an amazing way. We love you, God. We praise you, and we celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me here this morning. You know, as I look at this text, and, and we're going to stop today at verse 6, uh, it'll take us a couple hours just to do that, but, uh, but anyway, seeing how many of you are awake, I see Billy laughed, and so that was, uh, maybe that joke's just getting old, and that's why you didn't laugh, I don't know. Now you're laughing, so that, I know that's, uh, that's probably it. But anyway, as we look at this text, what, we, what I need to say from the onset is that, that this is really sort of a part one to next week's message as well, so we have part one, part two, really. And so we're looking at verses six, and there's so many things that, that is being presented to us here today and, uh, and, and really following into next week's message that there's no way we can cover them all. But, but there's one question that I want us to really look at here this morning together. I guess it's just one point, if you will, so you might get excited about that. But, but there's, there's one question I want us to consider today and try to answer together as we look into this text, as we look at this passage of Scripture together. And the question is this, what is the mystery that Paul is speaking about? What is this mystery that the Apostle Paul has introduced us to? If we've never heard this before, I know many of you have studied God's Word and you, you, you kind of have an idea, maybe, maybe you know all about the mystery of God. But the, the reality is the Apostle Paul has introduced us to this, this sort of turn of events. He's thrown out there to us this mystery. In fact, he's mentioned the word mystery three times in our text. 
And so we're going to see this. He's sort of laying this out as he, as he begins chapter 3, writing this letter to the Ephesians. And so he starts off, and I love this. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. And I don't know what translation you're, you're using. I'm in the ESV. That's typically where I preach from. But through a lot, in a lot of the translations, there's a long dash right there. You may see that in your translation. You may not. But, but, but what we know in translating this passage of Scripture is that the Apostle Paul, as he's writing to them, and he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of the gospel, he comes to this place where he says, on behalf of you Gentiles, and then there's a, a bit of a pause. It's almost as though the Apostle Paul is thinking, you know what, I've got something I really need to say that might be a bit confusing. I know that the people are going to be somewhat aware of what I'm talking about, but they may not have a full understanding of it. So, so the Apostle Paul says, I, Paul, as a prisoner, he, he, he pauses to say, I want to... I want to go back and I want to reflect on something that is, is very important and some of you should know, but you probably don't know. And so he goes into, he dives into this, this issue of the mystery of Christ. And so he throws that out there. And I don't know if you are like me. I love a good mystery. I love, a, I love a, a sort of mystery novels. I love mystery movies, anything that's got a twist to the plot, you know, something kind of catches you off guard. And I think it's interesting that Paul, using these words, he probably got their attention with this, didn't he? He probably got their attention. He probably got them sort of listening. You know, I don't know if, if someone were to come up to you and say, you know, hey, I've got this sort of mysterious thing. You sort of lean into that, don't you? Well, tell me more, right? We want to know what is this secret knowledge you have? What is this understanding that you, what is the twist to the story? And so Paul, using this word, no doubt, three times here in this passage, gets our attention as we read through this. And so we see that Paul, uh, he, he comes to this place, he sort of pauses, and then he says this. He says this about the mystery. He says in verse 3, he says, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery. And then he says this in verse 5, he says, which has not been made known to the sons of men in other generations. And I like that because here's what Paul says. He says, I'm about to tell you something that even though God's word may have hinted at and God's word may have given us some bit of revelation about, some understanding about, what we need to understand is that there is a timing for everything with God, and the time is now that God would reveal even more about this mystery. And so he says, there are even generations who haven't heard what I'm about to say. And so if, if these words haven't perked your ears up, if these words haven't caused you to, to lean on, you might want to check your pulse this morning, but, but the reality is God's word is, is drawing us in. The way Paul is writing it, he's drawing us in. He wants our attention because he sees this as so important for us to understand. And so he's got our attention now. He's about to move forward. He's about to help us understand this. And we begin to see in this that Paul is revealing to us that there is a specific timing 
to what is about to be said. You know, we know reading through the scripture that, that God has this remarkable way of just not giving us all the information. Have you ever noticed that? Oftentimes he's causing people or calling people to take huge steps of faith and all, he, all they have to go on is just being obedient to God. Abraham was one of these people, right? Abraham was called by God to go to a nation he doesn't know anything about, right? He called him to go, and this is what he says to Abraham. He says, I am going to make you the father of a great nation. He says, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. And not only that, but I'm going to bless all the nations of the world through you. And, uh, and, and so I can only imagine Abraham's going, how? And God says, oh, I'm not telling you that right now. I mean, that's for later. You know, I just want you to go. And so what we see is Abraham, in obedience, he goes, right? That he follows God's calling to go to a place he doesn't know anything about and to do what he doesn't even know he's supposed to do. But all he has with him is to go. And so we know that God has this way of not giving us all the details, and this is what Paul is basically trying to say. Now, let's look at verse 6, because here's where Paul unveils or reveals to us the mystery of Christ. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so basically what Paul is saying here is he writes these words. He says, you need to know something, that the Gentiles are now a part of God's master plan for salvation. You see, Israel had always been God's chosen people. And suddenly Paul comes out and says, listen, Salvation is not just for Israel, it's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well, and not only is it for the Gentiles as well, but he says, he says they will also be heirs, uh, fellow heirs, so they're going to be heirs with the Jews, there's this grafting in, if you will, between those who have been redeemed in Christ Jesus, both Jew and Gentile, coming together of the same, being members of the same body. And so he, God's plan, you see, is to bring these two together, to bring these groups of people, to bring people who don't quite honestly even care that much for each other, but to bring them together. And as he brings them together, what Paul is saying is God's plan for your life, for, for the salvation of this world is something much bigger than you would ever have thought. I know this is a bit of a surprise for you, especially for the Jews. The Gentiles are probably celebrating it. But the reality is, he says, I know this is a bit of a surprise for you, but this is God's plan for the world. And so he's going to take this gospel message out, and he says this also. He says, and be partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, we're living in the 21st century, right? And so we read this along with the New Testament. You see, back then, this was all just being sort of exposed. This was being revealed. But for us, especially those of us who may have grown up in, in South Georgia uh, in the Bible Belt and gone to church all of our life, we, 
we, we hear this and we look at this, and this doesn't really even impact us, does it? We're like, well, of course God loves all people, right? That's where we find ourselves. We find ourselves saying, of course God would want the Gentiles to be saved. You know, uh, I'm not Jewish. I'm glad God would save me, but that's sort of a dust statement for us, isn't it? It's sort of one of these things. It's a no-brainer. I mean, we, we look at it, but it's because we've heard it all our life. It's because we were raised up maybe in church. It's because we ourselves as Gentiles and we have the New Testament to read, we have this remarkable ability to see the truth of the gospel, the message of the cross, and as we read through that and process all of that, we are just encouraged, and, 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 and many of us, I hope all of us in this room, but that's probably not the case, but many of us in this room have surrendered our life to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. We believe that God is, has sent his son to die on a cross for the, for the forgiveness of our sins. We've embraced that through God's grace and his uh, amazing mercy and love and, and, and uh, all that he has for us. He has saved us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We celebrate that, right? And so we look at that and we go, well, of course God would want to do this. Of course God would bring the message of truth around the world, but it wasn't always the case. Paul says there's something really amazing that's gonna happen and is happening, in fact, when he's writing these words. God is saving people, and these people are going to be different. These people are going to, they're going to look different. They're going to come from different backgrounds. They're going to speak different languages. They're going to be of different races. They're going to have different philosophies of, and ideas. They're going to come, and God's going to save them. And the, the unifying thread in their life is going to be Jesus Christ and he's gonna bring them together, and he's gonna merge them together as one body, and they are all gonna partake, as followers of Christ Jesus, as disciples, they're gonna partake in the promises of Christ Jesus, but here's what's so beautiful. God's gonna use this mystery of Christ, this, this, he's really unveiling the church or an image of the church, he says he's going to use it to take the gospel message out that God would be glorified through his people. It's a beautiful thing that he is painting for us and, and helping them to understand. But here's what we need to be very careful of. What Apostle Paul is not preaching is universalism. And it's important that we understand that. Let me just say this. It, it's important that we understand that, that God's not just saving the whole world. He's not saving all people, that all people would come together and all live in harmony and live under the lordship of Christ. And all, he, he's, not promoting, he's not promoting universalism. There still is the need of redemption in a person's life. He's not saying all the Jews and all the Gentiles are all gonna be saved and they're gonna come together. You don't have to worry about your eternal standing. He's not saying that. Remember, he's already talked for two chapters on our identity in Christ. He's already written for two chapters on what it means to be saved. He's, he's mentioned redemption. He's talked about redemption through Christ Jesus, that our identity has changed to this. So he's talking about those who are in Christ Jesus but from those particular groups, he's, he's making a point that God is bringing all types of people and through salvation, as disciples of Christ Jesus, he's gonna bring them together. 
he is talking about this purpose that he has in Christ Jesus to make this new body of believers through redemption. And so he's bringing people together for his glory. He's bringing people together in salvation for his glory. You remember how Paul started this text off? He says, for this reason. What reason is he talking about? He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, speaking to the Gentiles here, he says, all of this, what we've just looked at. But what is the for reason, for this reason? The, the reason that he is presenting this, the reason he is presenting this, this mystery to them is to say, is to really say, he's pointing back to what he has already said in Ephesians chapter one and two. And I wanna specifically take us to Ephesians chapter two, verses four and five, where Paul has already said these words, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, look at this, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive, how? Together in Christ or with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. One of the most beautiful things that Paul reveals to us and one of the things that should certainly warm our hearts and cause us to be forever grateful is the reality that while our hearts and our minds were on the world instead of on God, while we were still in our trespasses, we have a, a God who loved us and drew us unto himself and eventually saved us, how? By his grace, not our own merit, not our own involvement in the church, not our own you know, belief system in who God is, but by God's grace. In other words, the Jews were not entitled to salvation. The Gentiles were not entitled to salvation. You and I were not entitled to salvation, but by grace, by God's grace, he saved us through Christ Jesus, amen? How many of you celebrate that truth this morning, that by grace, God has changed your life? And so this is the point that Paul is trying to make here. He wants us to understand. Paul describes the gospel as a mystery because it has this twisting of plots. It's this unexpected turn of events, and he's really sort of laying it out there for us, and he's identifying it as this mystery. He says, you may think you know everything that God's up to. You may think you know what God is desiring of you, but you don't even know the beginning." of what God wants to do through this body of believers. Linnell and I love watching mysteries. I, I don't know about you, uh, we, we come together every now and then, we don't watch a lot of TV together at all, but, but we come together every now and then, we watch something. One of the shows that we got hooked on a few years ago was Sherlock Holmes, you know? And it, it, it's, it, we're watching it, sort of this mystery whodunit kind of thing, and we're watching it, and, and, and it never fails, we sit there, and, and we talk through the whole thing, first of all. I mean, we just can't help it. We're just, you know, but here's what we say. We say, I think the guy in the green shirt, I think he's the one that killed him right there. I think, I think what is it, Bob? Yeah, Bob, he killed him. And then Linnell will be over there, and a few minutes later, she'll say, no, I don't think it's Bob. I don't think it's Bob at all. I think it's the butler. 
and I look at it, the butler, everybody thinks the butler did it. We know the butler didn't do it. I mean, it can't be the butler. That would be too obvious, and this is Sherlock Holmes, for heaven's sakes, right? And so it's got to be more of a twist than that. So she goes, well, you're right. So a few minutes, we'll sit there, and after a while, say, but I'm not so convinced it's the guy in the green shirt anymore. She says, me either. I think it's the guy in the blue shirt. I said, you may be right, but I'm thinking more of the guy in 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 the Paisley shirt. Some of you don't even know what Paisley is, do you? I don't know where that came from. That's so old. But anyway, we'll sit there and we'll try to second guess. We'll try to second guess who done it, right? And it never fails. You don't know. You think you know. You think you got it all figured out. You think you understand. You think you've gathered enough information and you've got it all figured out. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, he did it. And you're both like, oh, dog, I didn't see that coming. Her? I didn't even expect it was a woman, you know? And, and so, wow, she killed, where, where did that come? And then you're like, you're looking back, you go, oh, you know what? That's right. Do you do that? You, you look back and you're like, that's right. I, I sh-. Well, I kind and then Linnell loves to throw this one out. Well, I, I, I wanted to say it was her, but I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you are not smart enough to figure it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was her, but I knew you would disagree, so I didn't say, no, you're not getting away with that. You should have said it if you thought it was her. That's our Friday night for you, okay? It's, that's about as exciting as it gets. But I love that sort of thing, because I think that's what Paul's saying here. Paul is saying, you know what? You, you, you think you've got all this figured out, and you can't even imagine how God may save this person and this person and this person and this person and have a plan for them to come together, even though they may not even want to come together. But God has this amazing plan to bring these people together to put on display his glory for the world. And I love that. I love that. I love this this mystery being revealed to us. I love this, the fact that God's word is showing me, is teaching me that there is so much more to God's plan for my life and for our life collectively together that God plan for us is greater than anything we even have our our minds on right now, that God is bringing people together for something truly remarkable. And one of the ways that Paul does this is by saying, remember, you yourself weren't even a believer of Christ Jesus. You yourself were chasing after the world. You were doing some of the dumbest things with your life, and, and, and you were on this this pathway of hopelessness and destruction. And while you were living in your trespasses, God said, you know what? I love that guy. And I want to save him from his sin. And he he does that by his grace. He saves even people like you, Josh. (laughs) Right? Wow. Right? (laughs) I'm just picking on you. Yeah, I know. He's going to be like, come here, Pastor Dave. Boom. Knock the wind out of you after this is all over. Isn't that a beautiful thing, how God does that? And then he brings us together, people like me and Josh together, and Maya and, and, and everybody else, brings us together for what? To say, I'm glorious. Not me, him. 
to put on display his glory of how he can change the world, how he can take a group of people that is as diverse as you can imagine and do incredible things for his kingdom. This is the mystery of Christ. How is that even possible? Because here's the thing, we can't even do that on our own. You see, in our own nature, we hate each other. In our own nature, we're jealous of each other, right? In our own flesh, we, we don't even wanna hang out with each other. But in Christ Jesus, Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. All right, we're halfway done. Hang in there. That's the same old joke, isn't it? You know what my hope and my prayer is for us this morning? Is that we would just get very excited about Jesus. That's what I hope. I pray for every single one of us. I see some of you out there. Here, here's what's so amazing to me as a preacher. Some of you sit out there like this every Sunday morning. And I'm, I'm preaching, I'm pouring my heart out, I'm crying inside, but I'm sitting there and I'm watching you and you're like. And then afterwards you come up, Pastor David, that was the best sermon you ever said. And I'm like, what? That shouldn't happen. Here's the thing, my prayer and my hope for us this morning is that we would get excited for Jesus Get excited, get loud for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that, my friends, that we would get excited about Jesus. And I believe that part of the purpose in what Paul is saying to the church is he says, don't forget what Jesus has done in your life. Don't forget what he has accomplished for your behalf. Don't forget that he has a plan and a purpose not only for you as an individual, but for as a church. And he wants to bring you together. And he wants to do something incredible. And he wants to send you out into the world that he would be glorified and we would be blessed through everything that we do. That's what Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be the church that loves Jesus and is excited about Jesus and is grateful for Jesus for everything he's ever done. That's what Jesus wants, and that's what Paul is trying to say. It may seem like a mystery to you, but it's not to God. God wants to do something in your life, and it's time we get excited about Jesus. It's time we get excited about Jesus. When I was a little kid, and I can remember that far back, when I was just a kid, when I was small, and it was Christmas time, I can remember that being the most exciting week of my life. I mean, I knew what was coming. I knew what December 25th brought. I, I didn't quite understand the whole Jesus thing yet, but I knew about that, that, those gifts that my daddy was putting together all night long, you know. I knew about that. I knew that on the next morning, it was gonna be, you know, Christmas time, and there were gonna be gifts. It was gonna be fun. It was exciting. It was so exciting to me. But you know, as you become an adult, things begin to change. You start thinking about things like Christmas parties that you don't want to go to, right? I mean, who wants to, I mean, honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we're like, oh my gosh, the fifth Christmas party we're invited to, right? There's not enough days in December for all the Christmas parties, right? 
And so the Christmas party, you start thinking about all the gifts that you need to buy. You start thinking about all the, you know, oh, did I, get, did I even the gifts out between my children? You know, you start thinking about all that kind of stuff. You start thinking about, when are we going to go to grandma's? I don't know. I, I, we don't have enough, sun, uh, you know, enough Saturdays. We're going to have to take a Sunday off. No, you don't. You know, you go see grandma on Saturdays, what you do. But the reality is we, we start thinking about getting, and then the in-laws, right? We got to go to the in-laws. And so that's, you know, nobody wants to do that, but. But the reality is, the reality is, as an adult, Christmas becomes a little less special, doesn't it? It's more work than anything. It's like, come on, let's get this thing over with, right? Not as a kid. I, my prayer for us is that we would be like the children who's excited on Christmas Day for Jesus. That's what my prayer for us is. 